This is CX of M Radio, the voice of customer experience professionals. Welcome to another World of UX Podcast. This is your host, Darren Hood. Thanks, everybody, for taking the time to join us on today. And a very special welcome to those of you joining us for the first time. We are continuing our anniversary celebration into June. Three years now that the podcast has been airing. We're excited about the three years. Excited to be able to just spend time just giving back to the UX community. Trying to help people maintain focus on the North Star of where the discipline should be going, helping people in the discipline understand what they should be able to do or what they should be doing in order to continue to develop, uh, including different things to help people represent the discipline properly. That's the purpose of this podcast. We wanna help any and everybody who wants help uh, and anybody who doesn't, hey, we're, we're gonna shine the light and let people know This is not good. Make sure you're not doing this anymore. This is not good. Make sure that you steer people in the right direction. But none of the things we say, I don't know why I'm saying this, but I'm saying it. uh, None of the things we say or do in this show are personal, even if we may know of someone who's doing some of the things that we present or some of the things that we're trying to shed light regarding. We're simply trying to point people in the right direction. This is a, a labor of love on my part. Every every dime that goes into producing this show comes out of my pocket, uh, and I do it because I want to. I do it because I was asked to, first and foremost, and then I do it because I want to. And so I just think it's important to make those things plain. We are continuing with the new UXer Symposium. Today is session number three, and I've got four UXers. Yeah, give it up, give it up. <laughs> I've got four more new UXers with me on today. And so, uh, and I, I, my, uh, the way I approach this, I like to introduce people in alphabetical name by first name. And so we're going to dive right in here with today's new UXers. And we're going to, uh, everybody's going to share who they are, how long they've been in UX, how they got into UX, and anything else that you think might be of interest, feel free to branch off and share those things. But we are going to start off with today's introductions with Clarissa, all the way from the other side of the pond, uh, spending the late part of her day with us today. Clarissa, go (laughs) ahead and tell the people who you are and give them your particulars. Thank you, Darren. So yes, my name is Clarissa. I am a senior user researcher at the, wait for it, Medicines and Healthcare Products Regulatory Agency, also known as the MHRA, and I hail from London in the UK. Um, So yeah, I've been in UX for just over a year. I learned my first user experience research role last year. Um, And how I got into UX um, is I originally, when I was a teenager, I wanted to become a doctor. Um, And I had this 
um, idea in my head that I wanted to help people in the healthcare sector and get the care they need. Um, but through different life events, I realized that I wasn't going to become a doctor. And instead, I built an interest in, um, you know, science. So I did my undergraduate degree in medical genetics at Queen Mary University of wow. London. And there I built a foundational understanding of what it means to conduct research properly. Uh, and then I also built an understanding that I hate labs. Um, and that was the dominant part of that degree. So I had to find a way to pivot. And so I won a scholarship from what's called the Wellcome Trust in the UK um, to do my own research project in my final year. And I did that on the effects of antidepressants on sleep and dream quality. And that's where I kind of learned that I really enjoy qualitative research, speaking to people about their experience of healthcare. Um, and that's kind of really sparked my interest in going into a field like this. And I've done lots of different pivots. I've worked in academia, in research roles. I've worked in the National Health Service in the UK, in more like recruiting facing roles. And um, I found uh, UX as a career and sought to gain skills that I could apply to that field. And I landed a research assistant role in digital health in um, Imperial College London. And I was doing really interesting work with commercial companies who work in healthcare and were developing digital health interventions. And so I was conducting research with end users, understanding what their needs were, understanding how they could use the systems and what kind of usability issues came up and feeding that back to clients. Um, and so I used that skill to learn my first UX research role last year at the National Institute for Health and Care Excellence, aka NICE. <laughs> Another acronym. <laughs> yeah. Introducing wow. where I work at parties has not gotten easier over the years. So. That is absolutely fantastic. And I love hearing about people's backgrounds and what they studied. And and it's funny because uh, it just reminds me how that early on, people who, who have been in UX for beyond mm -hmm. X number of years, everybody pretty much stumbled into it. I, I yeah. think it's, it's just great that you have the option to get into UX where before exactly. we just did something and next thing you know, we were doing it for three or four years. And, oh, oh, that's what yeah. I'm, oh, okay. <laughs> that, that's the sort of kind of, and, and you'll hear that from everybody who's been in UX pretty much for over 20 years. It was something that uh, actually more than say, let's say 25 plus years, everybody who's been doing it for over that time, we stumbled into it. It wasn't, it wasn't a yeah. goal. It was a happening. It was just mm -hmm. this happenstance kind of thing. So but I, lo I love hearing the backgrounds. Uh, next up, Dahana Shree. Yes. So firstly, uh, th thank you. Thank you, Darren, for this amazing podcast and, you know, conversations that we, we get to learn a lot in the conversations. So I am originally from India, uh, but I moved to Canada last year for my mm -hmm. higher education. So uh being in india uh it's 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 a, it's very typical that uh, there are only a couple of occupations that uh you know people expect you to get into engineering <laughs> doctor medicine and all so it's it's very typical so when i uh i mean i have always been fond of art uh, that has been my hobby so uh, i i didn't wanted to do something that everybody did so i wanted to do something different so 
Yeah. So after after my schooling, I I did my bachelor's of fine arts, wherein I I learned graphic designing, visual communications, branding. So yeah, after that, uh, I started working for several startups, uh, wherein mm. you know being uh, you you are the like the only designer there. Uh, so I had to don multiple hats there, like um, talking to the clients, taking the inputs. And you know, doing all the branding stuff, website designing, and all. So while I was doing all this, uh, so I was majorly into visual part of things. Uh, but uh, when I was doing all this, I kind of realized that everything that we do, be it the branding or any visuals that we do, it's it's all consumer centric, you know, user centric. So that's when I I learned more about UX and I explored about it. And then I worked a couple of years on that, and to learn more about it, I I came to Canada, and yeah, now I'm I'm studying my post graduation in human centered design. That is fantastic stuff. It is always great to see another program in, in human centered design. There's uh, some of us were looking recently, and I'll throw some approximate numbers because I don't remember the numbers, but in the United States. There's approximately 5,500 or so universities, institutions of higher learning, and there's only 175 approximately UX programs, actually less than that. I think it's like 160, 165 uh, programs that are related to UX. That's a really small number. And amongst those hundred and some odd programs, a lot of them aren't necessarily doing UX the right way. So it's 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 still going to be a while before we can establish things the right way. But based on some of the things I've heard you say, it sounds like this university is really trying to drive students in the right direction, which yes. is which is fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. In fact, we we get to work with real clients. Uh, uh, so we, nice. we kind of work on real projects. Our project has been the government of Canada uh, or the health department of government of Canada. So we worked on a real project and the client, I mean, as you know, we, we run that uh, project. The client are planning to implement the solutions that we came up for. Uh, I mean, for, for, for the challenge. Nice. So, yeah. So we get to work on the real project. It's, it's not textbooks. So this program is amazing. It taught me a lot about research and all. Fantastic. I, I, yeah, you remind me of something else. And I, I, I'm just excited about something. So I'll just throw it in here. But I just talked to you folks know I talk at mul- or I teach at multiple universities. And I also do talks at universities. And I'm actually going to be for the first time coming to Canada to deliver like an all day lecture at a university in Canada. That's going to be fun. I love, oh, I love which Canada. University? I'm not going to say what that is yet oh, okay. <laughs> for several reasons. Uh, Cause I, some okay, people, yeah, you folks it. looking at the expressions on your faces and the exclamations, you're excited for me. You're yeah. happy for me, but I deal with a lot of backlash and a lot of yeah. protesters and a lot of trolls and they're not happy. So, <laughs> So I'm not saying anything yeah. because it just it empowers. Mm-hmm. There are people that actually sit back to wait and see what I'm going to say and what I'm going to do just so they can write something con- or do something contrary. So I, 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 I'll keep they'll find out when everybody else finds out. How about that? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Next up, <laughs> alphabetical order. Elizabeth. Hello, everyone. Um, yeah, I'm super excited to be here. I will say I don't normally do these things. I, um, I've been super busy for the past two years, so I haven't been able to like get out there and engage with people. But now I am and I'm so excited to be here and meet all sorts of new people. Um, 
So I'll start off with uh, my background. I kind of par for the course, took a really windy path in order to get here. Um, so I I learned about UX in my undergrad degree. So I, for the longest time, um, have been fascinated with the brain and human behavior. So I made that my uh, bachelor's degree. I got my bachelor's in neuroscience from the University of California in Los Angeles. Um, there I worked. That program uh, is really like molecular and cellular biology based, but I was able to work in a cognitive neuroscience lab for a while. And that's where I learned um, more qualitative uh, research techniques. Nice. Uh, and I fell in love with it and I thought it was very cool. I was working specifically in a schizophrenia lab. It was very interesting stuff. Um, but like Clarissa, I did not like working in a lab uh, <laughs> pretty quickly. and it was actually, it was in that lab being in the lab didn't affect this very much, but I remember the day that I discovered UX specifically the day that I discovered it because I was in the lab, I was doing some work, I was checking my email and I saw this post for a job at a video game company called User Research Moderator. So a research mod mm. it was a it's a, the company Activision, the big video game company. Oh, wow. And I was like, what is user research? Is like it said you need a background in psychology or sociology, like running studies. And I'm like, oh, I've kind of done that. What is this? And then from there, I was back in 2018. From there, I was like, okay, I am fascinated with this. What is this? I'm gonna, I'm gonna learn more about it. So I actually, um, I started taking some courses at Santa Monica College. For anyone who's unfamiliar, Santa Monica College is a two-year community college in Santa Monica, California, in Los Angeles. Um, and they offer user experience design courses at the community college level, which is very cool. That's kind of unheard of. Um, so I started taking classes there, fell in love with the discipline, wanted to do more and um, started getting jobs here and there. I worked, uh, I did some volunteering for a uh, augmented reality video game startup, doing some usability testing on their game. Um, I got a contract position at a local healthcare agency, um, government healthcare agency, worked there for a little bit. And then, um, wanted to stop doing little jobs here and there. So I decided I'm going to go back to school. I'm going to get my master's degree. Um, so I went to the University of Michigan, got my master's degree in information science, but you can specialize in user experience design and research. So that's what I did. Um, and while I was there, I interned at all sorts of places. I interned in the financial tech industry, interned in healthcare, interned, just wrapped up an internship at um in service design over at NASA and um, interned wow. in the networking <laughs> world, which is where I am currently at because now I work at uh, Cisco, Cisco Meraki, one of their, their networking um, tools. So I just wrapped up my master's degree. Uh, I graduated at the end of April and started working at Cisco on Tuesday, full time. So ah, congratulations. Fantastic. Wow. Wow, fantastic stuff! That's that, that's amazing. See, look, look at the look at the path. Look at all this fantastic <laughs> stuff. And go Bruins, by the way. That's one of the universities that I teach at. <laughs> <laughs> I love teaching at UCLA. So fantastic stuff. Yeah, <laughs> this is inspiring. 
And isn't it funny how a job post, did you apply for that job at Activision? I, I didn't because it was, I should say it was an internship and uh-huh. I, I saw it my last quarter of my program uh, and you had to be a student returning okay. in order to apply. And I'm like, damn, I just missed out on it. Yeah, I but just, just want to clarify. It got me on the path. It got me on the path for sure. Yes. And that's my point. Isn't it amazing? Job postings do more than what people think they do. Uh, job postings can be an inspiration. It, it, mm-hmm. it inspired Elizabeth and inspired some other people. And I, I just uh, to just pause here for a moment, something for new UXers, make it a point to study job posts. Uh, there's a lot of job posts that are written in, 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 improperly. They're inaccurate. They we want an entry level UXer with 15 billion years of experience. You know, you'll <laughs> you'll come across that kind of thing. Ignore the fact the number of years that they say they want. And look at the fact that they want an entry level person and just go ahead and apply. So I want to say that first and foremost. But there's a lot to be learned from job descriptions, especially as it pertains to guiding your own personal growth. Look at what skills they require or what skills they say they require for the position and always examine your acumen against what they want, because it will help you to understand where you need to develop. You may never apply for the job. That doesn't mean that it's not providing you with data. So embrace mm-hmm. that data and, and it can be an inspiration. It can help be a guide. Just some fantastic things. So I just thought I'd drop that little nugget there. And UXer number four for this session before we get into our, our main content here, Mr. Ray Butler, or as he says on the screen in Zoom, Mr. B. We don't know him as B. Ray Butler, but we will introduce <laughs> him as Mr. B. Ray Butler. Take it away, Ray. <laughs> I'm Ray Butler. I go by Ray. Uh, I've been a UXer for a little bit over three years in terms of just calling myself a, a UX designer. Uh, I started somewhere along this journey around, say, two, 2017, I think. Uh, but I didn't know what UX was. <laughs> I didn't even know that there was an actual job position, anything. Didn't know nothing about um portfolios and when I actually had a couple of gigs going and when I tried to transition to full-time employment I was like what what the heck do we need with a portfolio you know it just made no sense to me because of a lot of ignorance that I had but uh, I came I started in tech back in the late 90s um, in telecommunications 9-11 took a toll on my career at that time and the only thing that I could find that was that would sustain my livelihood was trucking. So I, I, I didn't plan to stay there as long as I did. Next thing you know, fast forward through time, I have a trucking company and I'm running a small business. Um, but I wasn't happy. So uh, my, my, I always have had a passion for tech, even from a little kid. And that's really where my heart was beating for was to go back to tech, but I was like, okay, I'm kind of up in age. Don't really have the time to actually enroll in the college. Uh, the uh, online courses and things like that, that was something that was new to me. Not that I didn't know they existed, but back in those days, you didn't have that. So I still sort of had that uh, mentality that I had uh, previously regarding tech that you should be at an institution receiving uh, 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 sound instruction, things of that nature. Um, Fast forward a little bit. um, Once I started, 
Uh, these were small companies, little, little startups that I was trying to find work. I had kind of scouted word of mouth, things of that nature. I had been building websites for uh, quite some time, going all the way back uh, to, to the 90s, actually, uh, when websites were going for 200 bucks. <laughs> so, so I didn't sell them. Uh, I always had had my own uh, uh, websites for my business. That said, um, I was curious. I, I, I sort of went down this rabbit hole just being curious as to how can I make things better for to attract uh, employees. So I started thinking about that experience with my website, finding out information about my company. And next thing you know, good old Google led me down the trail of information architecture. And I'm like, what is this? <laughs> so I'm reading all this dry material uh, on information architecture. It was dry to my wife, at least. And I'm feeling all giddy. And, um, I just kept on. I was like, man, this is the most fascinating stuff in the world. You know, what the heck? Yeah. And lo and behold, the more I read, the more uh, of the subject matter I was exposed to, I knew definitely my days were numbered as an entrepreneur, period. And, and, and unless I was able to figure out how to you know, start another business doing this. So I figured that uh, my wife was kind of leaning towards, after I convinced her, she was kind of leaning towards um, website design because that's all we knew um, in terms of uh, building apps and stuff like that was web design. I knew I didn't want to do that. I uh, stumbled across the label UX in the midst of all this. And that's when I really started pushing this label UX designer uh, push. I worked with some uh, uh, great individuals that were uh, contractors. They were far more advanced in UX design than myself. And I thought, man, that's what I want. That's that's what I want. The problem is, is that we all were contractors and who knows how long we were gonna stay. Uh, and in terms of mentoring that was non-existent because everybody that's receiving uh, pay, pretty much the expectations were already set in stone. This is not a let me hold your hand or anything like that. You kind of had to roll with the punches. So I did that and uh, I still didn't have full-time employment. I was just going through the motions. And uh, lo and behold, I, I, I came across this guy who was very talented. And I said, wow, this guy right here. And he said some of the things Darren said about looking at the um, uh, the job descriptions. And that's, that's pretty much how I stumbled across <clears throat> what it actually was that I was really looking at, I forgot the title the guy called itself, but it wasn't, I don't think he used the word UX designer. I would have, that would have stuck out to me. But um, I tried the Google course to sort of uh, get some sort of foundation as, as I felt at the time. <laughs> uh, and that was probably about two or three years ago. I, I don't know. But uh uh, but but nevertheless, the uh, most of the uh, education I, that I felt was sound actually was from my own research and digging and looking at the job descriptions. Let me figure out what this is. Let me Google what this is, because I did know a lot of these terms that were being used. And that's pretty much how I uh, gained a lot of my confidence uh, in, in this in this space. And it's no turning back for me. Um, it's been challenging. It's been tough. Uh, 
And uh, I've just been on this quest for uh, excellence ever since. And I'm not not leaving that. So I'm on pursuit of excellence at this point in my career. Fantastic. All fantastic stories, all very intriguing stories. And I'm sure some people are going to find these a lot of these things inspirational as well. We've got some topics that we have identified that we're going to cover. And so we'll start off with the first one and we're going to go in and everywhere. We may branch off, uh, but now it's free for all time. So uh, no boundaries. Let's just go for it. The first topic that we're going to cover is what I have. I'm just I'll just read as I have it. I I didn't think I was going to say this, but I'll read it as I have it typed up here. The wonderful, wonderful world of UX titles. What have been your experiences? What are your thoughts? Uh, what is it that you want to bring up with regard to UX titles? Who's going to start us off on on this topic? Why can't they be consistent? Why? That's my. <laughs> that's what I want to say to that. Why can't they be consistent? Why can't there be? I know it all goes back to this idea of standardization, and I'm trying to think of it as like it's a chicken egg thing. Is it that the industry is defining what the job title is? And that's what's messing things up or because all different job or all different companies are defining it in all different ways. Or is it because the UX person is applying to jobs and then that's the, what they apply to, maybe the experience they're bringing in is not aligning with the job title, if that makes sense. Like it's, is it the person who is applying to it or is it the company who is defining it? Or is it something else entirely? I don't know. I don't know what is causing this disarray, this chaos in uh, job titles. I don't know why you have to have five <laughs> years of experience and be entry level. I don't understand. <laughs> I have a lot of comments I'm going to share. Let everybody <laughs> chime in before I before I sound off. Go, go ahead, Clarissa. It, yeah, it does feel chicken and egg. And I think this is definitely a, a lot of naivety I had going into UX. Like... I and I remember when I found out about it because uh, a friend of mine, very good friend of mine, um, was doing her masters in human computer interaction, and I think I was just listening to what she was talking about, and like she was very interested in going into interaction design, and she would tell me about it, and I was like, oh, this sounds really interesting, and then I was doing more research and found UX design, and I was like, oh, is this what you're trying to do? And she was like, no, that the kind of linked but not the same no but she no but she really recognized that it wasn't ux design that she was going into she was specifically interested in interaction design <laughs> so then i was like looking at different ux design um roles and again years of experience varied for what was a blanket ux design role as well some looked for design skills and research skills so i got thinking to myself oh do i need design skills so i actually um i actually when i went into my role in academia um i was working at empirical college london and they had a master's program called healthcare and design which talked a lot about design thinking user-centered design and so i thought i had to do that but then i realized through that course that i actually i, I don't want to design things <laughs> I, I like research and research exclusively um but honestly the number of times i look at research roles that were like okay you should know figma 
it's, it's like, okay, why? <laughs> or like, they're like, oh, you want some coding skills as well? And it's like, again, why? And I think for me, I'm just, I'm almost looking at these as an assessment of the company's maturity. Yes. Because if they don't know what they're actually looking for, then I, for me, that I feel like I need to run screaming. <laughs> yeah, they do a kitchen sink thing. Usually yeah. companies forget that uh, they should have uh, two different people for coding and, you know, research. And they just combine them together and say designer yep. who should have research skills and coding skills. Because <laughs> <laughs> of everything. <laughs> yes, it, it's, it's amazing stuff. Were you going to chime in on this one, Ray? I'm, I'm still waiting before I, I'm making notes on how to respond. I'm trying to, um, uh, what, 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 what happened to value? And this may be the entrepreneur in me, the business, you know, side. <laughs> um, okay. A junior level zero to one year, maybe no value at all. Okay. Uh, but the potential should be there. Right. Okay. Now, once we start going there, it seems, it seems as if the level of value or, uh, I know that's not the right way to phrase that, but it, it seems as if the, the 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 more years you have invested off in the UX or been around this this space, the more value you should bring. Yep. Okay. Yep. In other words, a principal, if you're a principal or a, I don't know, director of UX, um, and you guys can correct me if I'm wrong, uh, I would think that you would have a lot more value mm-hmm. uh, that you bring to the table and offer. Uh, beyond uh, a, a person that's only been around for three or two, three or four years. That, that's what I would think. So yeah. I'm wondering where's the value differentiate uh, there uh, and why isn't, why isn't it on the surface? Why can't you just obviously see it? You know, um, that's Great my, point. Only, that's my only. Great point. Great point. Yeah. I think to that point about value, I think I know what you mean when you say like maybe not the right word, but I think the value that someone brings at different levels is going to be different. Whereas like a junior, they will be able to do individual contributor things. They will be able to, well, they should be able to do individual contributor work where they should be able to do the design, the research, like the grunt work. Whereas those higher levels, we're talking about strategy now. They're bringing like UX strategy, yes, um, helping guide the business, helping them make decisions. So it's different. I guess you'd say different kinds of value. Oh, that's what they do. Both. Yeah. Hmm? Yep. I, I said, oh, that's that's what you do at a high, when you get up there on a high level. Yeah, well, you should. I think you should. If you're not, then maybe you should reassess kind yes. of what you're doing <laughs> well, and, and that's where the problem comes in that what what in theory or you know maybe some guy wrote a book on this back in 2013 or whatever right and reality they're just they're, they're two different extremes you know so we talk about a lot of things but in practice where is the value i'm still waiting <laughs> <Very> <laughs> Factors though that play into how titles are written beyond kind of UX maturity. It's also um, questioned around how much you can pay people for a specific role, irrespective of whether you're looking for a junior or a mid or a senior. 
if your organization's only got a small amount of budget or isn't willing to give up a small amount of budget for, you know, this kind of mysterious UX role, are they going to title it senior? Like realistically, do they think they're going to attract someone with a low salary, but they know they need that value to it's, it's a, yeah, it's a, it's a tricky one. And I think at least I notice a lot of discrepancies and yes, yeah, discrepancies between what's a principal role in one government department in terms of pay would be a junior level role in another department in terms of pay. Yikes. So that facts into it as well. <laughs> No, oh it's true. Goodness. It's really, it's really tricky. That's scary. Yeah, like you, you'll see it across. Yeah, here as well across industries, um, which is one of the reasons why government has been trying so hard to get those professionals because they just yeah. either can't or won't pay. They won't compensate those professionals what they are worth in other industries. Mm-hmm. Not to say that they're worth that or they're not worth that, but they won't pay what they what other industries are paying. Yeah. Right. It's 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 so amazing, and and that's part of the reason I sort of lead into my feedback here on these topics. It, it sort of illustrates why there's such a discrepancy about titles, mm-hmm. because you have if if we, if we talk about the topic of job titles, there's job titles, and we've got everything bounded, and we talk about how much experience is reflective of uh, a particular job title. And in and, and my model, uh, it's zero to three is entry level. Uh, three to six, three to seven is mid-level. You have to work at least seven or eight years to truly be considered as a junior. And, and there's an asterisk, there's an invisible Senior? asterisk. Yeah, at least- No, you said junior. <laughs> I said junior. Okay, well, let's say junior. <laughs> Definitely incorrect. Seven to eight years to be a senior, at least seven to eight years to be a senior, and then there's layers of senior status because you have lead is a type of senior, um, yeah. principal is a type of a senior, and then you have the something that's just been popping up in my title at the company I work at. Uh, is I'm senior staff. So there's staff, which is one layer beneath the way that you see it at different organizations. Staff is one layer under manager. And the only difference between staff or senior staff for me, the only difference between senior staff and manager is I don't have any reports. And I don't have to play politics. Yeah. <laughs> I don't I don't have to manage any politics. When the game is over, I'm gone. And I'm laughing because I don't have to deal with the politics and I'm I'm out of there. So but that's the only difference between staff. Staff is now higher than principal. Mm-hmm. And that, that it, it somebody said that that Google came up with that. Like, no, it, it staff existed in other places and things that they didn't. People need to stop giving Google credit for stuff they didn't do. But at any rate, they're just, they're just willing to take any and everything. And but at any rate, uh, and they haven't been around that long either, truth be told. But. Uh, and, and I'll go down a rabbit hole if I start talking about that. But so you have this. So that's just titles without bringing the organizations, without bringing the variables into it. Once you bring the variables in of the different uh, the different private sector versus public sector, 
um, um, for-profit corporations versus nonprofit corporations, uh, the medical UX arena versus automotive UX versus uh, uh, standard uh, um, consulting oriented UX. What what titles people have? A lot of times it's it's very rarely and this is a UX maturity problem. It's very seldom reflective of someone's actual experience. Once the court, once the organizations get a hold to the titles, they'll call you anything. They even they will even tell you, you know, you call yourself whatever. We don't care. We have you on the book as uh, SpongeBob UX. You can call yourself whatever. That's what we that's how we have you listed in HR. Call yourself whatever. And that's why you see people with all these weird, crazy titles. A lot of times on LinkedIn, that's not really reflective of who they are because they're allowed to call themselves who they are. And and so all of this wild, wild West oriented stuff going on with titles, it's a huge reflection of what's going on with regard to UX maturity, because what you are called, what your title is, is not just reflective of who you are in your company. It's supposed to be reflective of who you are to the community at large. So it it really casts a lot of uh, 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 clouds, if you will. It really makes terminology, title-oriented terminology, very ambiguous. And so we should be able to look at your title and understand who I'm, I I should be able to see your title and understand who I'm talking to. Why can't I do that? Why can't I do that? It's ridiculous. I have to say that's one of the things that I really struggled with going into UX because I I would look at people's LinkedIn profiles when someone announced, (laughs) oh, I'm a senior. And I look at their profile and I see they've been there for two years. And I'm just like, oh, okay, is that the trajectory that I should expect? But on the other side of it now, like I fall into that category of people who haven't been in the like in the community that long. But the way that I approach it is is multifaceted for one being like my title might be senior in my organization, Mm. but I'm not thinking in my head that I know everything and I'm very transparent about that with the people I work with like I'm I'm more than happy to be corrected and I'm more than happy to keep learning Mm -hmm. and I feel like in a position of seniority in my organization I want to be someone who can lead and bring people with me as I'm learning Mm -hmm. so that we all improve our personal UX maturity um and I think as well, um, there's, there's something about, and I know we'll talk about this eventually, I, I'm very keen not to be a charlatan and I'm very keen <laughs> on learning from the correct and reputable sources as part of my journey, whereas I'm very aware, as we are all in this forum, that there are some interesting ideas about what UX is Mm -hmm. and what it isn't. And I want to be a part of the community who can advocate for what UX truly is and can make sure that we do things that bring value to an organization. So it's like, if it's between me and someone who isn't for that, I'd rather win out. 
Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yes. I'd, I, I believe yeah. so much about the importance, particularly because I'm so passionate in the healthcare space. We in the UK are going through a huge transformation in lots of different arenas of healthcare, where there's a huge focus on digital, there's a huge focus on digitizing patient and public experiences. And it's like, I want to be a part of the community who's going to get it right, not part of the community who's wants yeah. to rest their laurels on fake titles um, for their own ego. Pure, um, pure UX so yeah, versus the cult. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> that's where my, that's where I make peace, where I introduce myself as the senior user researcher at this organization. And I see that people's faces go, huh? That's how I make peace in that moment. It's yeah. like, you can go, for now, but you'll see. Like, I'm not joking around here. I mean business. No, I, I, I get you. Get, do you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. I love that. I love that because I want, well, what, what you said um, just made me think, like, I wonder how much of this confusion, Darren was talking about all these, the, the variables that we introduced, but mm-hmm. I wonder how much of it is also owed to the fact that those who are making these job descriptions, it may be HR, it may be the hiring manager, probably the hiring manager and, and the, the team that is there who, um, even if they say they have 10 to 15 years of experience in the field, but they never learned the field, the discipline properly to begin with. And now they're taking (laughs) their misunderstandings and applying it. But because they have X number of years, they're not getting questioned. And when they do get questioned, it's, no, I know what I'm talking about. I've been doing this for 15 years. How yep. <laughs> much of it is that? Moments. That is what I'm wondering. I <laughs> I don't know how much of it is that, but I wonder how much of it is that. You, and well, I, 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 I want to think about that like because that. I was I was thinking um totally unrelated, but I was watching a different a different I was listening to a different pro- podcast and um they were talking about the Dunning Kruger effect which yes. I think we're all familiar with, but the Dunning-Kruger effect, yes. which is, you know, you, it, it can be particularly, um, those who are self-taught can be particularly susceptible. I'm not saying that we are. I know a lot of people here are, are self-taught, but you can be susceptible to it because if you don't know what you don't know and you're relying on sources that yep. are already wrong, you're teaching yourself things that are incorrect. Yep. And so you think that you've reached this level of expertise, whereas you're not surrounding yourself with the actual practitioners who have been, who know, who do pure UX. So you're at this, you're at that, the tippy top of the high confidence, but low knowledge. And you just kind of stay there. Ooh. And those are the people who are making job descriptions. Those are the ones who are running yep. these, the, these different teams yep. across these industries i wonder this is a theory this is what i'm thinking but i think it would help explain a lot of things as well a lot of the the issues that we see in in the field right now yep the habitry oh so so speaking of who writes the job description this might sound really lame but i once was an intern at a firm and uh, the Uh hr just came to me and told me write a job description for a youth designer to post on social media Wow. <laughs> and, and we only can and imagine that, how often that's happening. Exactly. I, at that <laughs> point, uh, I, I didn't really think of it, how serious that 
that is but now i understand because sometimes when we read as as clarissa was saying you have to do research and reporting and everything as a designer and then yeah those kind of descriptions maybe maybe they were written by people like me who knew nothing <laughs> who knew nothing i i i just literally went into google and researched what are the job roles of a yes. designer? Just yes. You, you just reminded me of something, and I want to throw this out here, and then I have a commentary, uh, and I think it's really key, something I want to say behind what Clarissa and Elizabeth just mentioned. Um, but the history of job titles um, is that, I, I want to talk about this, and then something else you just mentioned as well. The history of job titles that originally, most people were either interaction designers which is funny based on that other story that was said earlier, or uh, mostly early on, like the late, the late nineties and the early to mid two thousands, most of us were called information architects. We were, but we did everything. So until 2011 or so everybody, no matter what your title was, your title is a title because the title is required by you, by HR, but it would, nobody ever cared and we were one of the only disciplines that had one of the few disciplines, I should say, that we had this wealth of titles that could be used. And HR has a history of never caring about the the accuracy between your title and what you did. That if you talk to HR people all over the world, you find hey, we just give you a title, you know, uh, uh, tech specialist number two, tech specialist number three, tech specialist number four. That's they they, they don't care uh, beyond that title how things go. So. The history of job titles for UX has never been highly descriptive. I personally lobbied for the change of our title when we were called information architects. And I worked for Team Detroit, which is sort of like a conglomerate. It was about 12 agencies or so under one roof. Ogilvy, Wonderman, J. Walter Thompson. Uh, now, some of you might be familiar with, uh, I forgot the name of it. It was... Um, Oh God! It, it, it there's this one that merged. Now all of them merge now, and I can't remember what the acronym is. It's an acronym, and I, I, get, I get I get tied up with acronyms and I forget them. But there there's all of these were under one roof, and I noticed, hey, we're doing. You're calling us information architects, but we're doing research, we're doing strategy, we're doing usability, we're doing everything. Why are you calling us information architects? And, and this is me. And I had not become vocal in the discipline yet, uh, but I was vocal at work. You're, you're calling us information architects. It misrepresents who we are. When I come to a meeting, people need to know who I am when I walk in the meeting. Please change our title to UX architect. And they agreed and they changed it. And not so we were the first people in Metro Detroit to have UX in our job title. You know, Norman was called UX architect or designer, whatever it was around 93, 94, but that didn't catch on for over a decade later. And, and, but, but I knew that it's critical for the description to, or the job title to reflect who I am for communication purposes, for career management purposes, for all, it, it's really important. You know, when people see your title on LinkedIn and people write such fluff, on LinkedIn, which actually, when I see somebody, I get a lot of people trying to connect with me on LinkedIn. I mean, it's insane how many people I'm connected with. I think for me, it's sort of amazing. But 
what I see, I'm amazing not as in, oh, wow, I'm amazed by it. No, amazing as in, this is weird. I don't know what the word we're going to do with this. Kind of amazing. But when I see a title, I, I stopped accepting every invitation to connect. I'm going to look at your title. I might look at your profile. I might look at what you stand for. And if I see anything at all that I think is, is derivative or demeaning or confusing, I don't accept the job description or I don't accept the invitation. And and a lot of times when people, if they say UX, UI, a lot of times I don't, 50%, 50, 50, some I accept, some I don't. If I see people, see people saying something on the line of, and I want people to really catch this one. I don't know what you folks have in yours. I'm just throwing this out here. If it says uh, your name and then under it, it says, I create meaningful experiences. <laughs> you know, that's not your job. Stop it. Stop it. It's not. You're, you're, it's not. This is not an advertisement. Stop trying to sell me on who you are. And I have never seen someone with that under their name on LinkedIn that wasn't drinking Kool-Aid. So for that reason, yeah. I don't want to interact with that person. And, and people connect with you without knowing who in the world you are. Why are you connecting with me and you're a UX writer? Have you not heard some of my content? Have you not heard my take on that? Why are you, why are you, just follow me. If you want to know what I'm talking about, just follow, don't connect with me because that's, that's a more, a more intimate type of an arrangement than a follow. If you want to know what I'm doing, just follow me. If you want to connect, that means you want to engage. Does everybody else feel the same way? You want to engage, right? There's there's something extra here. So, you know, I shouldn't have to look at your posts and then send you post my 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 podcast episode about UX writing. You know, please look at this before you dig a hole for yourself. Please look at this so you can understand what you need to do. Please look at this before you drink the Kool-Aid too much and end up being the next wave of big layoffs three years from now because the organization finally figured out that UX writing was a sham. Yeah, I said earlier, I've met these people complain about me, but they forget everything I say happens. It either already happened after I said it or it's happening and you can't disprove it. And, and and so so that said, please, UX writing is going to be soon. There's going to be all of a sudden UX writers. I said, become a generalist. If you are a UX writer now, I'm not trying to take your paycheck from you. I'm not trying to get you evicted. I'm not trying to get your car repossessed. I'm trying to give you a future. And the future is when people start adhering to truth, you are going to be dead in the water. So <laughs> and eventually there's already a move going back to generalists. They're getting away from the spec. There were no specializations in UX prior to 2011. Now there there are specialists everywhere. There's a move back to the generalists because they realize, wow, if Clarissa, I know she doesn't like design, but at least if she can speak to it, she's going to have more value. Exactly. Yeah. And when you know something about design, if you're a researcher and you know something about design, it it makes you a better researcher. If you're a designer and you're not a researcher, knowing about research makes you a better designer, does it not? And so, and that's what we did. We did all the things. So the history of titles is is quite jaded because after 2011, folks just called themselves the grand poobah of UX or, you know, and I'm just being silly, you know, when I say that, (laughs) you know, the Big Mac of UX, you know, you know, I'm I'm a UX, uh, uh, 
a centrifier. I mean, you know, what? What is that? You know, people just they just come up with stuff because they can. And and, mm-hmm. and it clouds things. It it puts us in a position where we misrepresent the discipline. And I know you're burning with a thought there, Clarissa. Go ahead. Yeah, <laughs> it, it relates to that. I think one of the other reasons why I also find the mishmash of titles frustrating is because I feel like as a UX researcher, I feel like there is still a lot a lack of understanding as to what we do. So it's almost like an added part of our job when we join somewhere or when we meet and people introduce ourselves to organizations we need to understand what their understanding of what ux research is like the number of times i've spoken to people either in this community or outside this community who think that market research and ux research is the same thing it's it's frustrating so it's like if we had these titles that were set in well, not, not yeah like set in stone but like with the expectation as to what the core foundations of those roles are i feel like it would take away so much hassle that yeah. gets in the way of us actually being able to do our work justice yeah and, and you just make me think too how many of you are familiar with the work we're doing with uh ambod.org American, uh, why am I forgetting? See, uh, acronyms. <laughs> it, it, it's, it's an organization that we're, we are seeking to standardize um, the discipline and introduce licensure. Oh, we've, been, we've been working on that. <laughs> we've been working. It, 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 I don't know if you shared it with me, but it, it's, it's, it's no joke at all. No. Uh, guys, uh, shoot. It, it, it's, it's pretty serious. I like it, though. Yeah. But it, it's pretty serious. You know, um, I had a question there. Go ahead, uh, go ahead. Once you finish. Oh, okay. Uh, so, so hold hold that thought, and let me get two little things because I'll forget this one. I think you yeah. folks are going to love. I'm, I'm interested in hearing your feedback. The uh, as I was listening to Clarissa, and I know many people who are coming into UX. They've been doing UX work for less than three years, and they get what I'm going to refer to for the purpose of this discussion. They, they get the equivalent of a higher rank as reflected in their title. But the reason they get the higher rank is they come in, they've only been doing UX for a year and they're a senior. I think that, that even applies to you, Clarissa. Yeah. People are trying to recognize, because this is something else that's different for us, because you don't see this across other disciplines. People are coming into UX, bringing some level of expertise that's not really UX related. Yeah. And they come into UX and, and the companies want to recognize and reward you for the things you've done in the past, which brings a great deal of value. Yeah, true. And so they give you a senior title. It's not because you're a senior practitioner, but they've got to recognize the fact that you didn't come through the door as a snot-nosed burger flipper, so to speak. <laughs> no, it's, it's, it's true. And, like, it, what I I feel like helps me feel more confident in my position is because I spent years honing yes. those skills yes. in other roles 
And I was able to contextualize them and say to them, look, this is what value I can bring. Yeah, I, every interview, every single interview I've ever had in for a UX researcher role, I say to them, listen, I know I'm not a senior practitioner wise. I know there's room to grow in my practice, but like I've got experience. I understand what it means to recruit people in a respectful and ethical way. Mm -hmm. I understand what it means to hold and secure their data, you know, compliant with these things that we need to be compliant to. There's a lot of people who I speak to who like who are in the research space widely who don't think it's necessary to have some sort of ethics review before you go out and do research. Yes. There's a lot of people who think it's okay to stick, you know, some people's details in a a Google doc that hasn't got a password on it. (laughs) There's a lot of people who think that it's okay to just do research without a plan, without success measures that you can document and attribute to and to share that. So I agree with you. There's a lot of work that I've been doing to hone in on my research practitioner skills. The research bit is easy in UX research. It's the other bits, like figuring out who you need to bring in at what point in the project, figuring out how to manage people's expectations when they say to you, can you do research in two weeks? And you're like, no, this is why. (laughs) Like, can't you do a survey? And I'm like, hell no. Let me tell you why I hate surveys and we're not doing one. So it's those other bits when you're managing people rather than managing your research skills because that bit's honestly it's it's easy see and that's mm-hmm. fantastic you just demonstrated that just in that mm-hmm. because a lot of entry-level folks they don't know any of the stuff that mm-hmm. you just mentioned to so to give you an entry-level title would be an offense yeah yeah the thing yeah. that here's the part I'm, I'm curious to hear what you folks are gonna because i said all that to say this uh uh-huh. mm-hmm. i think there should be another title I think another title needs to be introduced to that hierarchy uh-huh. of, uh, of UX rank, if you will, that is indicative of people who achieve senior because we're acknowledging the relevance of past experience and knowledge. What that okay. title is or what you interject, I don't know. That mm-hmm. I don't know. But there needs to be something because, again, the title helps me know who I'm talking to. So if right. somebody had, I've, I've met people, I've, I've worked with one other person in my career, only one, who got a senior title very early on. And on one hand, they shouldn't have had the title because that person was an intern that slid right into the role. And I guess they were just impressed by the person. And so they gave them a senior title. So that's a bad path. Nobody should do that. It, it, it's bad for the company. It's bad for the discipline. It's bad for that individual. Um, but the person did demonstrate a lot of demeanor and they were a huge part of my success that I had at that organization. Uh, so shout out if that person hears that, they know who I'm talking about. But because uh, that person listens to the show. But um, right. it'd be great if there was a title that indicated that. So when I talk to a person, I know that you've got this wealth of experience. That is being parlayed into something that's going to drive value. Uh, back to Ray's word in the organization. On the flip side of that, I've worked with people. I worked with somebody who had a master's from a very prestigious uh, university, one of the most prestigious universities in the country. 
and they brought nothing to the table from a, from a UX perspective. So, you know, there some of the cases we need, people need to demonstrate that they bring value before giving them this new uh, proposed rank that I'm talking about. And in other cases, you don't give the, give it to them at all because not only was the person a market researcher that, that sort of faked their way into a UX role, this person had <laughs> looked at that look at this person actually actually interviewed for my role. We both interviewed for a UX manager role at an organization. I got the job. They didn't. They created a job for that person and put them in that role, but they were a market researcher. They weren't a UX researcher. And the person had absolutely, absolutely no intention whatsoever on cooperating with the black guy that got the role that they really wanted. So, you know, that's, so there, there's, you know, different things to consider. And sadly, only, only sound levels of UX maturity are going to handle those situations the right way. And I could go on a tangent about that because I know when a, when a company is not very UX mature because they do or don't want to deal with somebody with, Heightened years of experience in the discipline. They they'd rather hire a Clarissa than a Darren. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. If I, both- I, I, yeah, and I don't take offense to that either. I, I do feel for people who I know have way more experience than me, but are, are face barriers to employment. And I I do the Hoover I do recognize Dam. people. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we face the Hoover Dam. Yeah. <laughs> Before I comment on that, I know, Ray, did you get your, I, yeah, I don't want to speak before you, you've been holding a question in and I don't want to comment yet before. Yeah, go ahead, Ray, before, before you lose that thought. <laughs> I, I, I think mine's made, made, you know, it's a rabbit trail. You know, I just wanted to ask, um, uh, should, I guess this is to you, Darren, uh, specifically, uh, should, shouldn't researchers have an, have some sort of, um, perspective on understanding of design. Uh, I mean, they're doing, uh, you know, heuristic analysis, things of that, that nature. Uh, so, I mean, I don't know. Could you answer that question? Absolutely. It, you know, absolutely. Yeah. And Clarissa uh, said in the chat, design literacy research, the more design literate a researcher is, the more valuable they're going to be to the team, the more they're going to enhance the team the better researcher they're going to be. Because guess what? Guess what has to be designed? Research. And and so when research is not designed well, which I see a lot, that's why we see people, those stupid polls that have all but disappeared on LinkedIn now, which one of these designs do you like better? And then they claim they're doing research. They claim they're doing A-B testing. Yeah, they claim. If you look up A-B testing, (laughs) that is not how you do an A-B test. A-B testing isn't qualitative. (laughs) Like, it's it's stuff like that. Yeah. You know, research is serious. Let's not play games here. Yeah. Terrible. So, yes, they, the more you know, because, again, there were no specializations prior to 2011, and a lot of people have found their way. I mean, there was no PhD to UXR movement until just recently. That's that they even have their own group on Facebook. There's a PhD to UXR movement. And and that's really (laughs) the, 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 the land of entitlement for the most part. They don't have any business acumen, most of them. 
Nobody, they expect UXR to behave the same way that research did when they were in academia. It does not. Um, and, and, and so we've got problems because now these people, there's also a, a parallel move. People are starting to separate UX research from UX. They're trying to create, their, they're, they're like taking a big saw, sawing off the research part and trying to create an island and float off and be on their own. That's not, that's that's misguided. It, it's, it, it ignores the history of the discipline. It ignores the proper definitions of the discipline. We are one and the same. And you folks have probably seen my my pillars of UX illustration with the with the the four pillars and the landscape, and it's got the uh, heuristics and usability, information architecture, UX research, and interaction and interface design. We're all part of the same. UX is really an umbrella acronym that's referring to all of these things collectively. So when you try to split and go in one direction, now you've got every time you split one of those pillars off, you have one less wheel on your car. Good luck trying to make it on that cross-country trip, so to speak. It's not going to work. Mm-hmm. And, and each of those four pillars is intertwined to the extent you can't get usability done without digging into some research. You can't really get research done without having some knowledge of information architecture. You can't really look at heuristics and usability without considering interaction design principles. And interaction design principles have nothing without a lot of the other components associated with UX. So so these things are all critical. And and people are trying to, because they don't know what UX is, and a lot of people today are not interested in standards because they like the anarchy, the potential of anarchy, because now if if UX becomes a discipline of anarchy, then nobody has to be accountable to anything. They just do their own thing. And, and so that's the part of the problem. And and people like the, the, the one post where people say that some of the stuff... These people out here are talking about this outdated stuff. Hmm. If I was trying to get a design done, would I be considerate of information architecture or would I just rather crazy eight my way through the thing? You know, that that's the problem. Crazy eight is new and it's ridiculously stupid. And, and, and it's, it's not trustworthy and it doesn't really get you anywhere. It's not trustworthy. It's not reliable. You are not about to crazy eight your way. Matter of fact, if there's a if there's a design problem, you're not going to create crazy eight your way out of that and come up with something that's reliable. If you do, even if you did crazy eight your way out of it, you're going to take the you don't vote on what the best solutions are. You take all eight of them and you go test them. And who wants to test eight things? Well, why waste that money? Mm-hmm. So you're going to need, you know, here's eight ideas that people came up with. And heuristically speaking, only three of these are sound. UX is going to guide you to the next level, not crazy aiding your way somewhere or design sprinting your way somewhere. People, people talk about new, new stuff, but new stuff is, is dumb. Mm-hmm. We have to stand on the shoulders of the people that got us here. Yeah, when you say new, so I'm I'm kind of curious, like where you draw the line between new, like when does new start? I've heard 2011, things were different before 2011. Yeah, compared to now, is that your cutoff point um, for when like you started seeing this influx of people renaming things that we already had literature, we already yeah. knew existed, <laughs> like or creating new methods that aren't really new methods. They're just, as Clarissa pointed out, bastardized versions of other methods that aren't being implemented properly. Like when did, when would you say that started? 
really it um I want to say 2018, 2019. It's really the last five years or so. Okay. I didn't see any, nobody brought up a crazy eight in 2015. You know, and I'm not, and I'm not demonizing crazy eight. I'm just calling that out because it's a newer thing that, you know, if you walked into a room and said crazy eight in 2009, everybody would have looked at you and said, what? If, 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 no matter who was doing it, it wasn't mainstream. Design thinking wasn't a thing. It wasn't a thing. It was it was just being introduced in some places. And people don't realize that when IDEO came up with design thinking, they were actually just trying to come up with something they could build clients for. It was never intended on being what it has become. And some people, when it comes to design thinking, all they do is do UX and call it design thinking. So you have no when somebody says design thinking, you have no idea what they're talking about. But but there's so much rebranding. So design thinking is basically when you look at that last example, that's rebranded UX. Mm-hmm. When you see, um, and I'm going to catch a lot of flack for this, but you know, so be it. When you see object object oriented UX, we don't we don't people don't need to be learning anything new until they've learned any until they learn everything that's old. Mm-hmm. Because basically, yes. or and and I hate to use the word old because it's still. It's still solid. It's still trustworthy. It's still reliable. And so we need to be building on what happened because there's nothing bad about any of the methods, methodologies, and techniques that were used. Right. Early on in this, there's absolutely nothing wrong. There's right. nothing that, oh man, we can't do, we can't try to make sure we have a good information architecture. That's a waste of time. Uh, you sure about that? Because information architecture, based on the uh sound nomenclatures and sound taxonomies are used to optimize findability. Show me uh, uh, an experience that doesn't include findability. Mm -hmm. So you're not going to optimize findability unless you do that. And there's nothing else that will help with that. And then some people come up with things that actually are meant to add layers of complexity on older stuff. The way to to simplicity is through complexity. So learn things from a broad perspective, and then you can break it down into smaller chunks and you attack it that way. And that's how you master things. Hello, this is your host, Darren Hood. Hey, we had such a phenomenal time and there was so much energy that the session with group three is so long that I decided to separate it into two weeks. So. I do not think anybody wants to listen to a two-hour-long podcast episode. So we will bring the second half of our session with Group 3 on next week. And we're going to wrap it up here. So until next time, this is your host, Darren Hood, the whole stuff, the world of UX, signing off. Happy UXing, everybody. Thanks for joining us for this session of CX of M Radio. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the show and visit cxofm.org for more resources.